This is episode number 110, which is part two of my interview with CEO and founder of Skyline Security Management, Edwin Aroyave. In part one, you heard about Edwin's story having had moved from Columbia to LA area at age six. You heard about the struggles him and his family had. You heard about how he was able to achieve some success at an early age. You heard about the seven questions that he asks himself every single morning. You heard his breakdown of purposes, problems, and freedoms, and so much great stuff. We ended last episode with Edwin talking about his four pillars of life and how during certain times of your life, a pillar or two can spike, which is great, but how when one or two spike, you still need to maintain those other areas. So part two is going to start briefly with Edwin's breakdown of that, and he'll resume with the time when he almost allowed one pillar to drag the others right down with it. Then he gets into things like the importance of training the subconscious mind, his biggest lesson that he learned from his wife, Teddy Mellencamp, what it's gonna take for him to get closer to the best version of himself and so much more. So let's dive right back into it and work on getting closer and closer to the best version of yourself with Edwin Aroyabe. During our life, different areas of our life will spike at different times. So the key is to identify which areas of your life are not spiking and make a conscious effort to make incremental improvements in those areas because in life we are either growing or we are dying. The last thing you want to do is go cold turkey and stop working on an area of your life because when you don't do something for a long time, you're going to start to dislike it. So if you haven't gone to the gym for the last 18 years, I can guarantee you, you probably hate the gym. Mm -hmm. And what you don't want to happen is you don't want to allow one of those pillars to come crumbling down because if you allow one of those pillars to come crumbling down, it can possibly set off the other three pillars to come crumbling down, including the one that is spiking. And I say that because I've experienced it. In 2016, I allowed a pillar of mine to come crumbling down and it almost set off all other three, including the one that was spiking at the time. And that pillar for me was the study of the mind. You know, for 25 years, actually for 20 years, after I left the phone company that I was working at, yeah. remember I told you I used to study for an hour a day every day? Yeah. Well, when I started my business at 21 years old, I had total freedom, right? All right. What do you think I did with total freedom? <laughs> yeah. No one was forcing me to do it. So I stopped studying and I didn't pick up, I didn't work on my mind. I didn't pick up a podcast. I didn't read a book. And frankly, I didn't do it because I didn't want to be reminded that, the, that I wasn't very smart. Mm -hmm. You see, the school system made me believe that my self-worth was tied to my ability to pass a, a test and my ability to get good grades. And because I was never really good at that, my self-worth, when it came to being smart, was as low as it can get. Yeah. And 
for many years, I was able to suppress that by training my mind and understanding that as long as I outworked everybody, eventually, and as long as I outworked everybody and I had self-discipline and perseverance, I would eventually beat people out. And for 17 years, that's exactly what I did. I would beat people out until I finally surpassed for the first time in my life what I thought I was worth. And what happens when you surpass what you think you're worth, you're automatically going to self-sabotage yourself to come back down to what you think you're really worth. So as you can imagine, I started to go on a downward spiral and my company started to go on a downward spiral until I finally attacked that biggest fear, my biggest fear of all, which was that I wasn't very smart. Yeah. I attacked it by finally picking up a book. And it's the first book that I had picked up in since Charlotte's Web. <laughs> no joke. You know, I, I picked, you know, at the phone company, those were courses, but I'm talking about like reading books. Right. I had not picked up a book since Charlotte's Web. That's hysterical. Which I, which I didn't even finish. Right? Right. And that book was called 10X by Grant Cardone. Oof. And I remember picking it up, and it wasn't even the reading version. It was the audio version. And well, how, what, I, I, what got you to pick it up? Um, I got dragged to um, uh, um, not a mastermind. I got dragged to 10X. Okay. This conference. 10X conference. And I was like, man, this is pretty cool stuff. Let me, let me, I guess, let me check this out. Yeah. What's all this fuzz, you know, buzz about? And I literally had to get the audio version because, again, I was that, I'm, I still am that. I'm getting better at it, but for a long time, I was that kid, I was that adult that I'd read a page and I'd have to read it like five, 10 times just to sort of understand it. Yeah. So it was hard at first. So I literally had to write out the entire book. So as I'm listening to audio, I'm pressing play, writing it out, play, go, writing it out. But when I finished it, I realized, oh shit, everything that's that Grant is talking about on this book is exactly what I've done to get to where I am today. So now I had experienced it, right? Because now someone that was making a hundred million dollars plus a year was talking about the same thing that I had already done. So my self-worth now went through the roof, right? And then I made a decision that I would study for an hour a day Every day, the way I go to my, the way I work on my fitness of the body, I was going to work on the fitness of the mind the way I used to do back when I worked at the phone company. And I started studying guys like Ed Milet and guys that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars. And then what I realized, all of them were talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the great part was that I had experienced everything they had done. I just didn't know how to articulate it. But when I, realize that my self-worth went through the roof. So what happened there, Nick, is now my unconscious mind aligned with what I was saying consciously, right? And what I mean by that is in 2015, I declared 
we were going to be a $100 million company. The problem was that my unconscious mind didn't believe it. it because deep down I had this hidden suppressed secret that I wasn't very smart, right? So it wasn't until I attacked that fear that now my unconscious mind rised up to align with my conscious mind. And when those two things happen, then you start attracting everything to make that dream a reality. All of a sudden, a C-level executive that was running a billion-dollar company calls me and says, hey, I don't know what, I saw this video of you, I loved it, I want to come work for you. Mm. And he came from the wireless industry, you know, and, and he says to me, hey, the wireless phone industry was exactly what your industry is today. It was 20 years ago. And he is now my president. That same year, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills calls us and says, hey, you want to be on the show? Boom, we're on the show. All of a sudden, people like Grant Cardone, Ed Milet, and all these people want me to come out on their podcast. Yeah. All of a sudden, all these salespeople want to come work for us, right? All of a sudden, we're on a trajectory to make $100 million this year, right? Yeah. And all these things would not have happened if I wouldn't have attacked that fear that I kept procrastinating on. You see, I knew, I knew the problem six years before it happened. I knew I had this self-doubt in my heart that I was like, man, we're growing too much, man, but I don't know if I'm smart enough to run this company. And it was all these limiting BS beliefs that I was feeding myself that weren't true. And that is where, when I adopted the mindset, the idea of we are a leadership development company yeah. that is fueled by a smart home security company because it became something that was dear to my heart. I realized how important mindset is, not just for people that aren't doing very well, but even for someone like me, where it got me while I was peaking. In 2016 was the year I made more money than I ever made. I'm not the year that I made more money, but it was the year that the company grossed the most money had ever grossed in our existence, which was $40 million. But then I took a dump because... I started to self-sabotage myself on just not believing that I was worth running that type of company. Yeah. Wow. And again, since then I attacked it and you know, here we are stronger than ever. The culture stronger than ever now, but it took me becoming that leader and being the example of, wait, I got, we got to work on our mindset yeah. and that, once the company saw me change, everyone changed. Yeah. And we've been on fire ever since. I think that's really cool how you were able to kind of like take what benefited you so much in your life and just kind of like implement it, like you said, into the culture of your company. And now that's kind of what everybody's focus is, is like making sure that you work on your mind because that bleeds into all those other areas of your life in order to make sure those, you know, those four pillars are, are all working. But and that's it's funny because you brought that up. Um, last time we talked or one of the times that we talked over the phone about how like there's these different areas of your life and there are going to be times where just like certain areas are spiking and you have to like kind of be okay with that, that yeah. the other ones aren't necessarily aren't spiking, but at the same time you kind of have to like 
still make incremental improvements and like maintain those other areas. And you can't just let them go to go to crap because like you said, they could have, they could bleed into yeah. the other ones. Because uh, again, if you let them go to crap, you're going to, you're going to start to dislike them. Yeah. And, and again, it, it's just, you know, we'll use fitness again, since I know probably a lot of your followers are into fitness, right? Mm -hmm. If you haven't worked out for 18 years, don't try to go work out for an hour and a half. Yeah. And then go for two more weeks. Start 10 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. Maybe do 10 minutes a day for, for 26 days during the month. Then the next month, go to 30. Make incremental improvements. And, uh, you know, that's been huge for me is being aware. It's like, hey, I haven't been working on my faith this as much. Let me start working on it so I don't allow it to die off. And, again, that pillar, I started having problems, uh, marital problems that year as well. Um, obviously, my business got affected. Um, all these things happened. Uh, my fitness probably was my fitness was the only thing that I that still kind of had me going. Yeah. But actually, let me take that back. I was so stressed that year. I was working out so much, but I wasn't sleeping. Mm. And sleeping, I had a lot of anxiety that year. Yeah. Sleeping is very important, um, especially if you want to live a long life and want to be performing at at your best mm -hmm. right um i i need my six to seven and a half hours sleep to be at top performance yeah because that's the one thing i'm, I'm trying to work on the most right now because i ended up having a panic attack during one of those years i mean during that year because i wasn't sleeping very well so i was just coughing it up and yeah i worked until i ended up at the hospital thinking i was having a heart attack well, in reality, I was having a panic attack because I was drinking so much coffee to keep me up and be energetic. Um, and it's because I wasn't sleeping. I was sleeping two, three hours a, a night. But it's because I was dealing with all these issues, which all started from that self-limiting belief that I had yeah. and that fear that, oh, shit, I'm not smart enough to run this type of company. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love this stuff. Uh, but one thing I wanted to ask you because I hadn't heard it um, yet is... Completely changing, completely changing topics. But when you were uh, 10 years old, that's when your father was uh, put away, right? Yep. For a long time. And after that, like, I know you have a relationship with him now. That's good. Um, but I don't really know the kind of like in between. So like, I guess like how, I guess when he was first taken away, how did that affect you? Like, were you bitter about it? How did that affect kind of like your shape, like the shaping of you from that point forward? Yeah, you know, my dad was a huge my dad is still my hero to this day, you know, at a very young age, even though I didn't know what he did for, for, for business. Yeah. Um, I admired how generous he was. He was always taking care of people. He was always putting people in front of him. He always came through on his word. When he said he was going to do something, he did it. If he said he was going to be at my karate class, he was at my karate class. So at a very young age, I learned how important it was to keep your word. I learned how important it was to take care of people. And the biggest thing he taught me was like, hey, so no matter what, you always take care of your mom. You always get, you, that is your number one person. You would not be here no matter what she does, which she's always been lovely, nothing but lovely. But no matter what she does, you're here because of her and you take care of her. And he instilled these things at a very young, young age. And then he also showed me the importance of options, having money. 
you know, because growing up, up until we got, uh, until, up until he, he went away and he got put away in jail, whatever I wanted, I pretty much had, yeah. right? Um, and money isn't everything, but it gives you options, you know? I, I lived a very, I loved my childhood. When it got taken away, I got to see all the issues that come from not having money. You know, my, my, now my, young, my younger siblings could not have all the things that I had as a kid. They, they couldn't have toys. I had to like, you know, literally look for quarters around the house, laying quarters or pennies just to try to feed myself at school. Um, and I just, I knew the importance of, of a good life. Yeah. So that's another thing that my, my dad taught me. And I think, and that's why for me, it's so important to touch the dream because that's another thing because of my dad teaching me or showing me the difference between options and not having options. Yeah. It, when I started working, I wanted to go to a nice restaurant because I had sort of experienced that with my dad and then it got taken away. Yeah. And I really, and I think many people, if you don't experience the dream, you won't even know that it exists. Yeah. And if you don't really know that it exists, why would you work your butt off to go make it happen? Yeah. Right. So that was huge for me. Um, that's my dad did about 10 years and then he got deported. And one of the things that I promised him that I did once he got out of jail and went back to Columbia, I said, Hey dad, you never have to work a day of your life again. I'm going to take care of you, but just promise me you won't start doing those things that landed you in jail. And I've been taking care of him ever since. It's one of my biggest whys of why I continue to work. I meet him once, twice a year. Uh, you know, we've gone to a couple World Cups together. Uh, now we just, I travel with him all over the world. I guess I say, hey, Dad, pick a country. Where do you want to go? And uh, we meet at least, at the very least, once a year. But I try to do twice a year with him. Yeah, very cool. Well, I love that. We'll get a little bit low on time, but I want to make sure I get a few more few more things in. I know I would probably get harassed by some people if I didn't ask anything about uh, your wife. Um, so I want to, I guess the thing I want to know is what do you think is the biggest thing, lesson that Teddy, that you've learned from Teddy? And, and it could be from anything. I know she does like accountability coaching and a lot of that, so it could be on that. But what do you think is like one of the biggest lessons that you've learned since being with her? Oh, I love that question because there's one that I know right away. I mean, she's done many, many things, but, you know, when we first started dating in 2008, I was bored of what I was doing in alarms, right? And the reason I was bored was because I wasn't growing. I was stagnant mm -hmm. and I was doing very well. I was making a ton of money, Yeah. but for 10 years, I wasn't really, for the last five years up until that point, I wasn't growing. We were doing about 300 installs a month. We now do 2000, but we're doing about 300 installs a month. I was personally selling 50 of those myself going door to door. Wow. And I was doing that with my eyes closed. So I was bored. And what happens when you become bored? You'll self-sabotage. Yeah. So I started to invest in things that I had no idea how to run. And as you can imagine, I lost a bunch of money. And uh, finally, my wife, well, my girlfriend, who is now my wife, Teddy, says to me, hey, how come you keep investing in things that you have no idea on 
yet you don't invest in the one thing that you're an expert about. And the light bulb sort of turned on. And you see, I had always invested in the sales guys, but I never invested back into the company, into the organization to grow it, to expand it. And the reason I didn't was because I wasn't sold on what I was doing. I wasn't uh, sure if that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. Made me finally confront, hey, are you in this 100% or are you not? Mm -hmm. And in 2008, I made a decision that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I wanted to build a company that would attract people that felt the same way about the smart home security industry. And when I did that, I finally invested into a CFO, cost me 150 grand that year. And man, that was scary because it's, you know, you're putting up 150 grand. You're like, man, that could be a new Ferrari, a used Ferrari. Yeah. Uh, if, if it doesn't work out, I'm screwed. But it was the, one of the best things I ever did. That CFO paid himself uh, times two because as soon as he came in, he just found all these holes that were in the company. And again, he paid for himself, really, with all the things that he brought to the table. We went from six office employees to 100 office employees within a two-year span. And we just started to grow after that. But again, we started, I had to invest back into the company. And I think so many, you know, when we're, so many people are scared to invest back into their business, but that's really why they, they don't grow. Yeah. And what I realized too, that's huge. That's been huge for me is you want to focus on the things that you can control and that, you know, you're an expert at. Mm. I had no idea how I was going to go from 300 installs to 2000. I had no idea how I was going to go from being in just one state to now over 36 states. I had no idea how I was going to go from six installers to now we have over 150 installers. But what I did know was that I was great at influencing people, leading people. I was great at training people. I was great at sales. And I was always good at um, you know, recruiting and replicating. And I knew that all these other things that I wasn't an expert at, I knew that God would put the right people in front of me to make that dream happen. Yeah. And I think so many times we focus on these things that we really can't control, right? And we let them th those things psych us out. And when they psych us out, you will confess with your own tongue that it's not going to happen. And yeah. when you confess with your tongue that it's not going to happen, it won't happen. And I never did that. I was like, okay, I know I'm going to grow this company to 2,000 accounts a month. I don't know how I'm going to do it just yet, but I know what I'm good at. I know I, I could lead. I know I could train. And I know I could sell. Yeah. And I'm going to focus on those three things. And I'm going to take just pure action. I'm going to work my butt off. And I know God's going to put the right people in front of me to make this impossible into a possible. And sure enough, People just start landing on your plate. Very similar to, once again, what happened in 2017. All of a sudden, I get a C-level executive that is used to running a billion-dollar company wanting to come work for me, and now he's helping me put all the things that I didn't know about into play to get us to that next level. 
Yeah, I like when you said uh, if you don't, if you confess that something's not going to happen, then it's not going to happen because I think a lot of people say so many times that they could never do this. I'm, I could never do that. Can never do this. When it's just like, yeah, you're never going to if you say something like some some things like that. Um, I know. So I want to jump into. Obviously, I know you have three kids now, um, Isabella, Slate, and, and Cruz, and you got a fourth one on the way. So congrats again on that. Um, but obviously, being a father is a big part of your life, and I love watching you interact with your kids on social media. What do you think has been one of the biggest things that you've learned about yourself since becoming a father? Probably the biggest thing is it's not about me anymore, right? Uh, as far as my my personal life, you know, it's funny. I was sort of living this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of life where when it came to business, I was the most loyal person. I was responsible. I was always about growing and I, but when it came to my, I was always about putting people first. But when it came to my personal life, it was the opposite. I was very selfish, right? And I, I thought, and I didn't come to this realization to, 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 again, when my kids were born, but I was like, I thought I was this great son, yet if, and I thought I was this great son because I'd done all these things for my mom, right? I bought her her house and I did all these material things for her. But if my mom wouldn't visit me, I wouldn't visit her. Mm. She had to come to me because I was the busy one. I was the one that was working my butt off. With my younger sister, I was never taking the time to learn about her because she hadn't done much, so she should learn about me. Mm. How selfish, selfish that was. But in my mind, I wasn't even seeing it. I was just like, well, shit, I'm, I'm the successful one. You should learn from me. So I realized that I was living this, this double life in in my again, I was as responsible as it got for business, but in my personal life, I had racked up a couple DUIs, right? In my personal life, right? I was partying a little too much, um, and again, I so my kids made me realize, like, holy, on my personal life, I need to become this person that really emulates the person I am in business. Wow! And it got me to realize that, and now it's it's about them first, obviously. Uh, it's actually about my wife first yeah. and people get that mistaken, right? Because if you put your kids first, but not your wife, then you're going to have issues with your wife, which then you'll have issues with your kid, right? So in reality, you got to put your wife first, have that relationship going and then your kids, right? Gotcha. Um, yeah. and, and that's been huge for me. Uh, with having my my kids, it brought great great balance. Yeah, that's such, that's a that's a really powerful takeaway because I'm not. I almost like I think I've almost found myself doing that a little bit in the sense that like not that I'm successful, but that I'm kind of doing a lot of things, talking to cool people like you, where I feel like maybe people should be asking me like about what I'm doing and like about like podcasts and stuff like that. But it's like get out of your own head. Kind of yeah, like, yeah. you know, ask other people's stuff. But down to the last two questions. You Did you just turn 43? I'm going to turn 43. You're going April. to turn April? April. Okay, yeah. okay, gotcha, gotcha. Awesome. So currently 42, um, 10 years down the road, you're going to be 52. So what does 52-year-old Edwin look like? Um, what have you done and accomplished? And what are you currently doing? 
on the business side, there's this goal. Well, it, it, it's first about stacking the wins. So the first goal I have is to get to a hundred million okay. and 300 million. And I really believe in my heart that we will be a billion dollar company. I want to get to that point because I believe in order to really impact people, you have to show greatness, right? And I think greatness, believe it or not, comes with ambition. But what we got to understand is it, you got to have a combination of ambition and humility, right? And if you have those two universes come together, then you're going to be able to impact a lot of people. Because if we didn't have ambition, then we'll end up doing nothing and calling it humility. Uh, Does that make sense? Yeah. So for me, I want to keep pushing myself for greatness so I can be an example for people. Do I need to make that ton of money? Not really. But I want to just show that this kid with a 1.8 GPA that has been blessed by God can do those kind of things. But the bigger I can go, the bigger the people that believe in me can rise up, right? Yeah. My dream has to be big enough that their dream fits in my dream. Mm. Otherwise, they're going to want to leave if my dream isn't big enough for their dreams. Yeah. So that is huge for me. Um, but I also want to be... I'm huge on tithing, 10%. And the more successful I become, the more I can give back to be able to change people's lives the way my life has, has changed. That's a big, big driving force for me now. Now that materialistic-wise, I, I don't need a better house. This is, I love this house. I don't think I'll ever move from here. I don't need a bigger house uh, because I realize that most of my time I spend in the kitchen and in my living room, yeah. <laughs> uh, my ultimate house. Um, but now it's become this thing of how can I create major, major impact? And part of creating, creating major, major impact is showing people what is possible and mm -hmm. continuing to, to talk the walk, right? Or to walk the talk yeah. where I, I tell people, hey, you have to improve. Well, part of improving is, uh, you know, continue to improve the rest of your life, right? That's on the finance side. I definitely want my family side to spike even more. I'm hoping by then I'm not having to work 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week like I still do. Don't get me wrong. I still put in my 16 hours in my family time, but I cram those in Saturday and Sunday. I want to definitely spend more time with the kiddos and, and take more, have more experiences, right? See, to me, now I'm to the point where I'm looking for experiences, not so much, can I get a better house? Can I get a better car? Like, I've already got those things, and I love those things. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I guess there's something to be said. I believe that what will inspire you being young is some of the material stuff. And you got to go after it because that is what will make you great, chasing those things. But like anything in life, different things will start to change and then that that won't be the thing that inspires you anymore but because you've got those things it's now made you experience in your heart 
that you are great and now you believe it. Yeah. I think back to the first house I bought in 2004. I bought this house for 900 grand. And I sort of wrestled with, with this as far as, man, is this as good as it's going to get for me? Because I don't think I could do better than this house. This house is like pretty bitching, I, I, I said to myself. Yeah. But then I realized, wait a minute, it's not my real dream. My real dream was to end up in Hollywood Hills. I'm living in Woodland Hills. And because of that dream, I kept pushing, right? And because I kept pushing, I kept realizing that I, that I was better and better because I kept accomplishing. And every time I accomplished new feats, my confidence would just grow and grow and grow and grow to the point that, you know, seven years later in 2011, when I bought my house in Hollywood Hills, I developed a habit of wanting to improve every time. Yeah. Now it's a lifestyle to improve. It's not a material thing. It's I want to improve. In 2004, if I wouldn't have kept dreaming, I would have said, this is as good as it's going to get for me. I would have never worked as hard as I did, which means I would have never realized my true potential. Yeah. That's why to me, it, the material stuff is important at first because at 21 years old, I wasn't thinking of tithing 10%. Not even at 30 years old, I was thinking, well, maybe at, at 30 it began to start, but it just, it was about, I need, to, I need to take care of myself first. Then you've taken care of yourself so well that you're like, all right, how else can I take care of people now? First, it's about survival, right? Second, it's about material stuff, right? Third, third step is where you, be, you become wealthy, right? Where now you have enough money that you're not, you're not in fear of, lo you know, of losing or whatever. And then the fourth one is leaving a legacy. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Cool. Well, awesome. Well, very good. Before I ask the last question, I want to acknowledge you again for just um, how you how great you've been uh, in our relationship and and everything like that. But also for I really like what you said at the end. There was you want to make sure that your dream is big enough so that you can invite and get as many people's dreams to fit inside of that. And how you're just so much about kind of like bringing other people along with you now and like kind of like the servant leadership kind of idea as well. And I think that's just super cool and that you're driven by all the right things um, right now and you're just going to continue to to spike in spike in those areas of life that you choose that you want to spike in um, but also I want to make sure that people uh, can find you and support you in, in every way possible so tell them where they can find you on Instagram website and all that good stuff and support you in the best way possible yeah so you can find me at Ted Winator which is T-E-D-W-I-N-A-T-O-R Right. Instagram is probably the best place to find me, although I do have a Facebook, which is just Edwin Ariabi. You'll find me there. The Facebook is a shared account. The Tedwinator used to be a shared account, but yeah. now my wife's Instagram is so big that she let me have my own. So now, you know, little by <laughs> little, I'm working on changing the name, but she still doesn't allow me to change the Tedwinator name. That's funny. Um, but that's where you'll find me. And, uh, you know, those of you that are looking for a vehicle – on allowing to apply the things that you're learning on mindset. I believe that one of the things that I love about our industry 
which is the smart home industry is number one. It just happens to be one of the biggest industries that's blowing up right now. But number two, it's one of the few industry, well, it's the only industry that I know that pays you high commission and you can learn everything within a week and get paid within a week. Because usually high commission paying jobs, they're great, but it takes six months to a year to learn it. And unfortunately, many people just don't have that time to put into something and not get a return. And that's what I love about our industry the most is we can create impact because we can train somebody within a week, pay high commission, and, and, and uh, get them paid within a, within a week. You know, um, and then we just opened up a solar uh, division as well that we're really doing well with. Uh, that's our solar company. And uh, that's high commission. Takes a little bit longer to get paid, uh, but it's it's another industry that's just blowing up. And again, I love having a vehicle that I can put people in once I start teaching them the mindset. You know, because right. a lot of times people have the mindset, but then they don't have the vehicle. Okay, shoot, I got, I know everything now, but now what do I do? So if you're looking for an opportunity there, you know, DM me, and uh, we'll see what what we can, you know make happen for you. Yeah. Well, very good. Very good. Well, the last question, you've talked about how we need to be continually improving ourselves, looking for those purposes, looking for problems, looking to improve, improve every single day. So what I want to ask for you personally, or well, I'll kind of back it up real quick, is that I believe that becoming the best version of yourself is a constant journey. Um, I think we're always chasing down that that person. And I also think it's a unique journey. I think the way that I'm going to become the best version of myself is a little bit different from the way that you're going to become the best version of yourself. So to ask for you personally, what are three things that you could currently do or currently work on to get closer to the best version of yourself? I'll probably give you one just because I, it might be long. I hope okay. I'm going to try to make it as short as possible. The number one thing that I think we sometimes neglect is keeping the promises that we make to ourselves. And I call that integrity. And see, many of us are good at keeping the promises we make to other people, but we don't keep the promises that we make to ourselves. And the reason that's so important to me is because that's what gives you true confidence. And at the end of the day, that's what comp confidence is, what's really going to get you success or not, I believe. And why that happens is your brain is made out of different parts. One of it is your conscious mind. The other part is your unconscious mind. What you got to understand is that the unconscious mind is a lot more powerful than your conscious mind. Let me give you an example. New Year's is coming up. So I'm sure a lot of you will probably say, I'm going to be the top sales person in my office. And that's great. That's where it starts. You got to declare it. The problem is that your unconscious mind doesn't believe you because it has a history of you letting yourself down over and over and over by not keeping the promises that you make to yourself. So to protect you, your unconscious mind is actually going to block opportunities that can possibly make that dream happen for you. It'll actually block them to protect you because it doesn't want to, it doesn't want you to let yourself down again. And when we think about that, that is no different than when our own loved ones, when we have these big dreams, 
are the same people that shoot us down. It's not that they don't love us. We just never given them a reason to believe that we can go after those big goals because they've seen ourselves not come through over and over and over. Yeah. So the key is now that you're aware of this and how important it is, make a conscious effort to keep the promises that you make to yourself, no matter how small, no matter how big. So if you tell your daughter that you're going to take her to Six Flags during the week, you make that happen. No matter how busy you get, you make it a point to take her during that week. If you tell your mother that you're going to buy her a house in 90 days, you make that happen, even if it means that you have to knock in Watts, California until 1130 at night to make sure that that dream happens. If you tell your dad he's never going to have to work a day in his life so that he doesn't go back to what got him in jail, you make that happen even if it means that now you got to take care of his other family that lives in Colombia. You just keep every promise that you make and you keep the promises that you make to yourself. And when you do that, you will realize that the power of your word has value. And then when you say something, you can make it happen. You'll believe when you say something, you'll believe that you can make it happen and bring it into fruition. And that is when you take it to that next, next level, right? right. So yeah. that's when you become unstoppable. So again, you tell your friend, you're going to meet him for lunch, even though you might not feel like it that day. You make it happen because your unconscious mind is going to start to realize, hey, when this guy says something, he means it. Yeah. And then your unconscious mind is going to rise. And when it rises and it matches what you're saying, you become unstoppable. That has been my biggest secret to my success. That's powerful. I love it. I completely believe in it. But other than having my faith, yeah. that, that's what built my identity right? That's what made me believe that when I say something, I'm going to do it, right? And I could bring it into existence. Yeah, yeah I love it. Look, just keeping the promises to myself and, you know, no matter how small, how big, like you got to get to the point where I'll give you an example. The other day I told my, um, we were doing something with our leadership team, my senior leadership team, where one of my managers said, hey, Ed, can you read this and then send your thoughts on it so we can have it ready for your leadership meeting? I said, don't worry about it. I'll get it done. I forgot about it. I didn't get it done. I literally woke up in the middle of the night ah, in a panic, like, oh, crap. I didn't do it, right? Yeah. It started to kill me inside, right? That's where you want to get, where you become that kind of person that when you don't keep the promise, it starts to kill you inside versus the person that never keeps the promise to themselves. You become numb to it. Yeah. You don't even realize you're doing it because it becomes the norm. Does that? Yeah, no, I think that 100%. I think that's so true because I feel like I'm pretty good at following through and like I, it definitely eats me alive. But, and I see people all the time who like, it doesn't bother them. And I'm like, how can that not bother you? Yeah. Crazy. I mean, it bothered me asking you, can you, we delay it for 30 minutes today? 
Ah, like, luckily you granted me that, but it, I didn't feel good about doing it, yeah. right? But because I'm used to being boom. When I say when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to start at ten. I do it at ten, and right. then it was like I'm running behind. But I even said, hey, if we need to do it at ten, I'll make it happen. Yeah, yeah, you know, awesome. Anyway. Awesome. Well, that's all we got. I appreciate your time. That was, that was awesome stuff. Awesome, brother. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed part two of the interview with Edwin. He is such a deep thinker with such great perspective on so many areas of life. If you enjoyed this episode, let Edwin know. Send him a quick DM on Instagram and let him know your favorite part. I know he'd love to hear your feedback and what you thought about the interview. Remember, when you make a promise to yourself, follow through with it. It's more important to follow through with it than a lot of us think it is. It's important to build up that reputation with yourself that you're the kind of person who sticks with his or her word and that you have that strong integrity. So now it's time. Let everyone know your favorite part of the interview. Follow through with the promises that you make to yourself because this will speed up your process of getting closer and closer to your best you.